It's another case of the rich versus the poor, this time on the world stage on the matter of climate change. Exclusive analysis you don't want to miss. Let's get started. And we have no indication that Russia is preparing offensive military actions against NATO. NATO Secretary General says the recent missile strike in Poland was likely caused by Ukraine's air defence systems. US President Joe Biden has also confirmed it is unlikely the weapon was fired by Russia. Even the Kremlin says the American response was restrained and professional. Which is why I never predicted a red wave to begin with, if you all recall. Republicans have won control of the U.S. House following two years without any form of majority on Capitol Hill. The victory now gives conservatives the leverage they need to hold President Biden's agenda. The full extent of the party's majority will remain unclear for several days as vote counting continues. Also ahead, United Airlines is preparing for a bumper travel period. U.S. travellers are expected to match pre-pandemic levels as Thanksgiving gets underway. It's a welcome relief for the sector, which has been battered for the last few years. Plus, a leaked internal document reads that Musk gave Twitter employees until Thursday to shape up. Going forward, Musk says he wants to build a new Twitter and succeed in a competitive world. He's pushing a new hardcore strategy, but will it all work? Details coming up next. Live from our headquarters at Ticker Park to the world, this is Ticker News. Hello to our viewers around the world. Brooke Coles with you this hour. Stay with us for your global headlines. Let's get started. But first, NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg says the recent missile strike in Poland was likely caused by Ukraine's air defence systems as Russia continues with its barrage of rockets. US President Joe Biden has also confirmed it is unlikely the weapon was fired by the Russian military. This in itself earned rare praise from the Kremlin, with a spokesperson describing the American response as restrained and professional. It follows the US Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Miley, attempting to speak with his Russian counterpart following the missile that fell in Poland, an attempt which was rejected. Miley instead spoke with his Ukrainian, Polish and European counterparts in Poland. But who bears ultimate responsibility for this attack? Stoltenberg says it's not Ukraine's fault. But we have no indication that this was the result of a deliberate attack. And we have no indication that Russia is preparing offensive military actions against NATO. Our preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. In Paris, here's Ticker's European correspondent, Ryan Thompson. Well, Tuesday evening, it looked like we may be on the cusp of a very dangerous turning point in the war in Ukraine as those two Russian missiles landed in Poland, or more importantly, into NATO territory. But 24 hours later, NATO says the blast was the result of Ukraine's own air defense system and not a provocation from Russia. 
Poland's president, Andrzej Duda, shared a similar conclusion, speaking to reporters earlier in the day on Wednesday. And now Polish authorities remain tied up in a thorough investigation alongside those military allies just to figure out exactly what happened, especially because it came at the cost of two Polish citizens who were killed in the blast. Now, NATO has also said it's working with Ukraine to ensure that this kind of accident does not happen again. Of course, not just coming at the cost of human lives, but also potentially a provocation with Russia. Moscow has praised the U.S. and some of the other Western leaders uh, for really reacting in a restrained manner and not blaming Russia immediately. But of course, that comes as dozens of missile attacks look to continue into the future. Ryan Thompson, Ticker News, Paris. Countries are being urged to stick to their commitments on climate change as the first tentative drafts start to emerge. Governments are meant to be building on pledges made last year at COP26. So what is the progress at COP27 that's currently underway in Egypt? For more, let's bring in CEO of the Caribbean Climate Smart Accelerator, Raquel Moses. Raquel, great to have you back at Ticket. Thanks for your company today. There's tense climate talks happening in Africa. Do you think discussions uh, have becoming more standoffish between rich nations and poor ones? Well, I think what we're seeing actually is that um, there are strange alliances being formed and not necessarily the rich versus the poor. I think some of the rich nations are aligning with some of the poorer ones and understanding that there's a need for, for climate justice and there's a need for loss and damage. And some of the others are really worried. And I think understandably so. I, I know that there are a lot of unknowns and so um, some of them are posturing and, and pushing back a bit. They have valid concerns, but so do the other side. And so we mm. have to find a way to meet in the middle. Mm. You know, for example, the, the Bahamas is particularly vulnerable to sea level rise and storm damage like many other of the poorer nations. So if you, recall were on that stage today, what urgent financial lifeline do you want to see from richer nations to help out those who really are in need of that financial support? Certainly. I would look at things like um, how do we fund loss and damage? Shouldn't we be looking at the, the cost of, of oil and gas or, or the subsidies or um, some kind of levy against oil and gas that will then help us to sustainably fund loss and damage? I'd also say that let's get specific about the type of funding. We talk about $100 billion, but that is meaningless unless we're talking about $100 billion worth of grant money, and that's not what we've been talking about. So how do we access more grant funding and more philanthropic funding that can then help to unlock private capital for investment into especially mitigation projects and then how do we do things like empower the global south to take advantage of uh, blue carbon and other ways of uh, and you know mobilizing article 6 and other ways of helping us to fund adaptation because there are cash flows associated with it so it makes it far more difficult Mm, certainly. And also today making headlines is Brazil's president-elect. He says he will work to save the Amazon rainforest, which is such an amazing pledge and a much-needed feeling of hope to COP27. That's what many people are saying. But will action speak louder than words when it comes to something so huge like the Amazon rainforest? Well, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's in what we do and not what we say. So I think it's it's really important 
to say the right things, certainly, but to do the right things is even more important. And so we need to, to you know, Michael Bloomberg had committed at uh, UN General Assembly that there would be far more tracking based on their organization of what are the pledges that are being made and what are the pledges are, that are actually being implemented. And I think the UN needs that kind of support to be able to help give people hope so that we can see the momentum taking place. We can see the progress, however incremental and not nearly enough or not nearly quickly enough, but we can see that progress and then um, build upon that. So I think that's really, really important as well. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And I know many are in your corner as well. Thank you for all the work you do and for coming on today to share your insights. We love having you on and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. The Republican Party has officially won control of the U.S. House following two years without any form of majority on Capitol Hill. The victory now gives conservatives the leverage they desire to hold President Joe Biden's agenda and launch a whole host of investigations into the White House. The full extent of the party's majority will remain unclear for several more days as votes in the number of competitive races continue to be counted. It comes as former U.S. President Donald Trump launches his 2024 presidential campaign in Florida. Much criticism is being placed on the fact that the Republican Party should have done better. And frankly, much of this blame is correct. But the citizens of our country have not yet realized the full extent and gravity of the pain our nation is going through. And the total effect of the suffering is just starting to take hold. They don't quite feel it yet. But as expected, the margin of victory will be the narrowest of the 21st century, rivaling 2001 election results when Republicans had a nine-seat majority. This type of result will be far short of the red wave Republicans predicted going into this year's midterms. Democrats believe it was the seal of approval they needed, though, as President Biden enters the final two years of his first term in office. This election is a vindication for Democrats and our agenda but far more importantly, it's a victory for the American people. Last week, Americans turned out to support the progress they've seen from Democrats over the last two years and to vote against the Republican MAGA agenda against autocracy. And as Trump launched his 2024 presidential campaign, Australia's richest person, Gina Reinhardt, was in attendance at the exclusive event. Reinhardt was outed in a social media post by Eric Trump, seen wearing her signature pearl necklace. Australia's richest person was sitting behind Eric and his wife, Lara, as seen in a selfie posted to Instagram by the former US president's third son. Reinhardt is estimated to be worth $32.4 billion, but despite her wealth, she won't be allowed to donate to Trump's campaign. U.S. laws prevent foreign nationals from making any kind of contribution or donation in connection with any of the nation's elections. Reinhardt has previously praised Trump and has a close association with conservative politics. It comes as Trump eyes off another presidential run in 2024. To a check of aviation news now. 
United Airlines is preparing a bumper holiday season as U.S. travellers get set to take to the skies. The airline is expecting to carry five and a half million passengers during Thanksgiving. This is an increase of around 12% from the same time last year. Close to 4,000 flights will be jetting off each day over the next few weeks. Forecasts show that passengers will match levels similar to before the pandemic. The Sunday after Thanksgiving will be its busiest day of travel since 2019. We'll be right back in just a moment. More analysis. Don't go anywhere. You're watching Ticker News. For breaking news 24-7, visit tickernews.co. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Download the Ticker News app on your smart TV. And stream us live on our Facebook page. More news is just minutes away.